That was quite the intro. Thanks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, hello. I am happy to be up here tonight preaching. And thank you, worship team. That was really beautiful. Um, the album, Crossing Rivers, we, I'm just going to promote it a little bit more. I know the people that created it, um, this is going to annoy me, so I'm just going to move it. Um, they put their heart and soul into the album. And there's something beautiful when you have Christian music music that, like, loves God, but it's not worship music, and you play it, and you give it to your friends, and you give it to those that don't know Jesus, it can bypass the mind and go right into the heart, and so I really encourage you guys, if you want to bless people in your lives, for them to, like, start to get acquainted with who God is, he will use music like that, and so, um, buy it, but the great thing about this album is we decided to do a theme about, um, that would reflect this, and it's called Crossing Rivers. And so that will be our theme for the next couple of weeks at Tehillah. And it's um, a great topic, to be honest, because we're all in seasons and we love to like cross over into different things. If you're new to the church, crossing rivers, crossing over is quite a biblical term. And it's about the idea of going from one season to a next season, going from one chapter of your life to the next chapter. And um, we all have this like mindset. It's called destination. We all want to get to the destination. The quicker we get there, the better. We have a goal in mind, and we want to get there. And we, we don't enjoy the journey. But there's something about the journey that God is all about. He's really rarely about the destination. He's always about the journey. And so um, seasons. We have winter. We have summer. We have spring. We have the fall. And they're all reflective of, actually, seasons with God. In the earth, we have the winter, which is kind of cold and, like, alone. We all know it too well in Calgary. Then we have the spring, which is like new things, like new adventures, dreams coming true. Summer is where you get to enjoy it. And then in the fall, you have something where you plant and you sow. Or no, sorry, the fall is the harvest. You reap what you've planted. And so that is kind of the over, oh, sorry, overview of crossing over, crossing rivers. So I want to take you on a journey tonight about Israelites. Who here knows the story of the Israelites in the Bible? Yeah, we're going to go an overview because they are, there's a lot of detail with them. So Israel was, um, they were in captivity for 400 years with Egypt. And they were slaves to Egypt, to the Pharaoh, to Pharaoh and everybody there. And they would like build their temples. They were um, just pure slaves. Who here has seen the Prince of Egypt? Okay, so that's like Hollywood's version of it. But... Slavery isn't a great thing, um, and Israel was that to Egypt. But God had other plans for for Israel. He wanted to bring them into the promised land. They were his children. They were his chosen, chosen people, and he was tired of them being in slavery. So he rose up um, Moses, and Moses decided to join God and bring Israel out of captivity. Now, he, they crossed the Red Sea, it parted, this is, I could go into detail, but I won't, because there's just so much detail, but uh, they went on a journey, and who here has heard how long the journey was? 40 years. And how long was it actually supposed to take? 11 days. So an 11-day journey in the desert took 40 years for Israel to get to the promise that God had spoken for them. Now, that's a long journey. So, and I, like, I feel like Israel was kind of a little stupid 
to be honest. Like, if you look on the map where they were supposed to go, like, it's not that complicated. Israel is not a a large nation. And they could have got there in 11 days, but they chose to go in 40 years. So I I was in Israel, like, a couple years ago, and I decided to climb Mount Masada. Who's been to Israel? Yeah. yeah. Who's been to Masada? Okay, no one. Okay. So, oh, some people here. It is a mountain that is rock, and it's in the desert, and it's hot. And if you want to climb it, they say to go at 8 a.m. in the morning. So I went at 8 a.m. in the morning. It was 40 degrees at 8 a.m. So I'm like, no, I got this. I'm going to climb it. It's going to be amazing. They say the, the army does it in 20 minutes. Um, I, I think I did it in 40 minutes, so I was pretty, I was pretty proud of myself, but as I was climbing up the mountain, like, I think it was like two minutes in, I'm like, I'm going to meet Jesus today. I'm going to die because honestly, the heat was so bad. It's off the, like the rock surface and then from the sky and I'm walking and I'm like, I didn't think I'd come to Israel to die, but I guess today's the day. And climbing and climbing. And all of a sudden, I hear a chorus of angels above me calling my name. They're like, Angela. And they're cheering me on. And I was like, it's, I'm going to meet Jesus. Cross, I'm crossing the pearly gates today. And I look up, and it's the rest of my friends who decided to take the gondola up. And they're trying to cheer me on. So, yeah, Israel. You, I don't understand why they took 40 years. But I kind of do once you get to know who they are and what they came from. So the wilderness season is a season that a lot of us don't like to be in, but it's a really important season of our life. And uh, it's a season that God will transform you. And so with Israel, he had to actually take them out of the land, and he had to bring them out of captivity so he could actually transform them, shake off their slave mentality, shake off their victim mentality, and he wanted to actually reinforce who they were, their identity in him. Now, they were kind of foreign with God in that sense because they were so under the rule of Egypt and um, their whole worship and everything that they actually didn't really get to know who God truly was to them. And in the wilderness is a place where God met them. He actually revealed to him who he was. He revealed to them that like, he was the God of signs and wonders. He was the God that brought manna from heaven, bread raining down. He was the God that actually showed up by a pillar by day to, gu- to guide them and a fire by night. He was the God that parted the sea for them. He showed them how to do life. Because before they were in captivity, they only knew how what what the Egyptians would tell them. Make bricks, do this, do that. But in the wilderness, he actually showed them, hey, I need you to be artisans. I need you to create. If you guys ever, if you're artistic, go look at the part in the Bible where it talks about the artisans. Because it's a really cool part of the Bible where God just like pours his spirit out onto those who are creative he showed them how to worship. He showed them how to be generous. He showed them how to like set up families, set up all that stuff. It was a time of them getting to know freedom, but also a time of transformation in their life. It was in the wilderness where they learned to depend on God and not Pharaoh. See, I think the reason it took them 40 years through the desert to get to the promised land, to get to where God wanted them to go, was because they would always fall back into their old nature. They would always fall back into being a slave, having someone tell them what they needed to do, rather than asking God, what should we do? They fell back into um, the victim mentality, like, oh, I don't know what to do, I don't know, you guys, God, you tell me, you tell me. 
They would go into false worship. They would build golden calves and just worship a gold uh, cow when they had the living God right before them. And the reason it took them 40 years was because they decided to default and then go back and talk to God. Default. Go back to God. Default to the man, their, their flesh nature. And it's not that those 40 years were like a waste. God uses everything. God uses every season that we're in. But it took them a little lo- bit longer because they kept on making choices that didn't make them one step ahead. It took them a couple steps back. So... There's a verse, James 1, 2 to 4. It says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. So this verse is telling you that when you find yourself in a season of wilderness, in a season that's dry, in a desert, and there's nothing happening, you're frustrated, you're alone. It's just like a really, like, winter season. It's your responsibility to find joy. Joy is the key that will bring you into the next season of your life. Joy, and it's not like finding happiness. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. I'm lonely. That's not what it is. It's I'm so joyful that because I'm alone, I get to know the maker that comes to those who are lonely. That's the joy. And so it's when Israel finally learned that. They actually finally learned who God was in their life. They finally learned how to worship him. They finally learned how to trust him. And there was joy in that, that God was like, okay, it's time to cross over to your promised land. So they arrive at their promised land across the river, and it's the Jordan River, and they get there, and this time Moses had passed away, and Joshua was, Joshua was now the man that was going to take them in. And he said, okay, I need to send two spies across the river to see what's there. And there's a city called Jericho, and it was ruled by the king of Jericho, and it was a big fortress. And they needed to conquer that city to actually live in the land that was given to them. So he sends the two spies across the land, across the river. They go into Jericho. They find a way into the wall, into the city. And the king of Jericho finds out that the Israelites are there. And the Israelites were quite famous because of who God was in their life. Everyone knew about the God of the Israelites. And he crosses over, and they, they have to go into hiding because now the king has commissioned his men to go find these spies and get rid of them. So they, they don't... This is one of the, my favorite parts of the story. They don't go hide in like a, I don't know, like a, like a trough or whatever. They actually go to a girl's house. Her name is Rahab, and she's a harlot. She's a prostitute, and she decides to hide them. She could turn them away, but she actually had heard about their God. And she's like, come in, I'll hide you, but you have to remember my family that you won't kill us when you take over. So she hides them. The guys come. She's like, oh, I think they went that way. <laughs> And they left, and she basically saved those two spies' lives. The reason I love this part of the story is because she's an unexpected character in the story of Israel. A prostitute, a harlot. No one liked her. She had a reputation. But yet she becomes one of the greatest characters of the story of Israel finding the promised land. And I think that's beautiful because I feel like that's representation of who Jesus is. 
Jesus became so low for us that we would actually cross over into finding salvation. Rahab is reflective of who Jesus is in our lives. Rahab. She actually became great-great-great-grandmother to who Jesus was. So there is promise for all. So they, the two spies go back. They tell Joshua. They're like, hey, we can go now. Everything's fine. We can go. There's this big city. We're going to have to conquer it. So they gather the Israelites, and it's the crossover. I love what the Bible says. There's 40,000 Israelites that are crossing the River Jordan. And what did, what's going on with them? They're crossing over equipped and prepared. They're equipped and prepared to occupy their new land. And where did they get equipped and prepared? The wilderness, the desert. So if you think the wilderness and the desert is a waste of time, it is not. It's one of the most important seasons of your life, if you allow it to be. Everything that they learned in the wilderness, they actually prepared them to cross over and to take over. And so they cross over, and now they come against a huge city that's walled. They look at a wall. If I crossed over into a promise that God gave me, and I see a huge wall in front of me, I'm going to be like, I'm out. No, but the Israelites actually knew who God was. He was the God that parted the sea, so why wouldn't he help them take down the wall of Jericho? He said, what I want you to do is walk around the wall for seven days, and on the seventh day, shout with a trumpet, and the wall's going to fall down. Seems a little weird, but they were like, yeah, no problem, we'll do it. Now, if you talk to the Israelites 40 years ago, they'd be like, really? I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to go back to Egypt. But God had so equipped them, so trained them, built their character, built their nature, built their identity, got to know them. Then they got to know God. And when they arrived at the wall, they're like, yeah, we got this. We know who we are. We know this is our land. And we are going to conquer. Confidence was built in them. But a lot of us will cross over into new things and instantly get discouraged when we face opposition, when we come across something that we want so desperately if God promised us something and then we get there and there's like an opposition. But we have to remember the enemy knows our purpose. The enemy knows the plan of God for our life. And so when we cross over into something that God has given us, if you have opposition, you're probably in the right place because the enemy knows the power that's within you. Don't back down. So the arrival. They arrived. They conquered Jericho. And now they got to live in the land that God had given them, the promise. God had shifted their identity so they could receive what he had for them. If they had still had the slave mentality or that victim mentality or um, any other nature that wasn't of God and they crossed over into the land, they probably wouldn't have been able to occupy the land well. They probably would have ruined it, to be honest. They now could live where God had brought them. They still needed to tend to maintain. We all know if we buy a house or whatever, you still have to actually upkeep your house. You can't just put your feet up. You've got to still do the work. I actually just have to drink this first. Sorry, my, uh, I'm kind of fighting something today, so... Okay, (laughs) so the journey of the Israelites is kind of like an overview, so I kind of wanted to go quickly over it, but I also wanted to talk about how every season is so important in your life, 
and how not to waste anything and not discount it because everything that God is doing in your life is precious and he won't waste anything. And so I, in my 20s, I think I've told this before, but I actually worked for a Christian ministry and it was seven years of my life and it was some of the best times of my life. I got to travel and run conferences for like 5,000 people. I'm not boasting, I'm just setting up like a context for my, for what I'm going to say. I don't want to brag, but it was really great. And so, like, to put it in today's context, it would be me, like, rubbing shoulders with Christian celebrities, like, I don't know, Judah Smith, Chad Veach, uh, Richie Wilkerson. And then in Lou, it would be Justin Bieber. We would have celebrities and musicians and rock stars, whatever, come to our conferences. No, I'm just saying, I'm saying if I, <laughs> I was saying if I did it today, that would be the, those would be the people that would attend. <laughs> I have not met Justin Bieber. Um... Yeah, so basically that was my world for seven years. It was great. It was, I don't think at the time I had an identity issue like, oh, this is my label, this is my job, this is who I am. But towards the end of seven years, I had traveled so much and I was so exhausted. And an event took place within the ministry that I worked with. And I'm not going to go into detail because I love the idea of honoring and covering people. But it was an event that um, affected me quite deeply. And it, it shook me pretty bad. And it shook a lot of other people that worked at the ministry as well. And um, it was one of the toughest things I probably have had to walk through. And it was, it broke me. It crushed me spiritually. It, um, it damaged my faith in leaders. It damaged my faith with Christians, with the whole Christian community. It didn't damage my faith in God, but it damaged my faith with mankind. It was such a tough season for me. And I, I, I believe in people so much. I believe in the health of people, and I believe that there's always like hope and people can be restored and all this stuff. And so I wasn't quick to leave the ministry that I worked with when everybody else was saying, it's probably time that you should go. And I was like, no, I need to hear the Lord's voice on it. In the swirl and the mess, I really needed to hear God's voice. And so then it was in September when I heard God whisper to me, at the end of the year, you're going to leave. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I knew I had to leave. And when I left, I had nowhere to go. I had no job to go to. It was a big risk move on my part. And I had no strength, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, to search for anything new. I really didn't. I didn't want anything to do with church. I wanted everything to do with God, but not church. And I got a job, because I had to pay the bills. I got a job at a rehabilitation clinic for people who got worked, uh, injured on the job. And I got a job at the, a re- as a receptionist answering phones. Now, no offense to receptionists in the room. It's a very vital role in every business. But from where I had come, mountaintop, down here. And I remember showing up that day, and I felt so sick. And I'm like, I have to answer a phone? And I was like, okay, I didn't think I had a pride issue. <laughs> but apparently I do. But it wasn't that. It was just like I, was, I couldn't process anything in my life. I couldn't, I couldn't function properly. And I found myself at an office where no one knew the Lord, where everyone cursed like sailors, <laughs> All the jokes were so crude. 
There were office bullies. I hadn't encountered a bully since like grade five. And it was a whole new world that I was not used to. I had come from a Christian world where we prayed for the sick, we evangelized, people got saved, and I saw it and I believed it. But now I was actually over here in a season where no one knew Jesus. And I was the outsider. Now it's easy to burn by the fire, but can you burn away from the fire? That'll preach. That's another sermon. But here I found myself sitting at a desk. No one knew what I had just done in my previous season. No one knew that I traveled the world or put on all these events. And I actually had to just be me. And I didn't even actually know who that was anymore. I didn't know who I was. And it was in that, I was there for five years. And those five years became the most beautiful five years of my life. It was a wilderness season for me. It was a season where I actually had to believe what I believed and stand with it. But not like, I had to learn how to talk to people that didn't know Jesus. I had to learn to be friends with people that didn't know Jesus. I had to learn to like, ask them questions about their life rather than be like, you need to get saved. <laughs> I want to be like, hey, like, tell me your story about your life. It was a season where I actually had to just find out me again and allow those people around me, the ones that didn't know Jesus, I don't know why God did it this way, the ones that didn't know Jesus actually help heal me. They're the Rahab in my story. The five years that I worked with those people, they were the Rahab. They're the people that restored me, that built my trust again, that, learned, that taught me how to just be me without having a label of a, or what you can do for me. It was such a beautiful season of my life. I'm still friends with some of them today. And I, I didn't want the season to end because I felt the joy of getting to know people that didn't know Jesus and just being with them. I felt the joy of finding my identity. I found the joy of just being Angela and Jesus rather than Angela conference Jesus. That when Michael Larson called me five years ago, he said, hey, I was wondering, do you want to come work at a church in Calgary? And I was like, a church? Christians? Hmm. I don't know about that. And God said, you're ready. You're ready to go. I was like, okay, let's do this. And so I crossed over. And I came here five years ago. And I walked into a messy situation at this church. A little bit similar to the situation I had left five years previous at the ministry. And it was like, I was like, really, God? <laughs> this again? And he's like, no, you're here to help. Because everything you learned in the last season, those five years of coming out of that, of that mess, you, I took you down low to get you to learn. Now you're going to come up and you're going to help. You're going to come up and be an anchor. Because the people in this church were so close to the situation, more close than I was, and it shook them. But I didn't feel the shaking because I wasn't close. But I could relate and I could help. I could advise. I was equipped. I was prepared. 
Because, yeah, I walked over, and I'm like, oh, the wall's here. The same mess. I'm out. But God's like, no, no, I've equipped you. I prepared you for this to help those that you're with. See, every season of our life is so important, and I don't want you to discount, discount it. We all want to get to the promised land. We all want to get to the land flowing with milk and honey. Why God chose milk, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just like, we all want to get to that promise. We all want to get to the, hey, I want to be, um, I want to be an architect. I want to run my own magazine. I want, to be a, I want to be a mom with five kids. I want to be an NBA player. I want to be all these different things. In which everything is so valid, but we always want to get there so quickly. And see, what happens, this is the thing. When you go in a straight line, and you, so you, you're from point A to point B, and point B is the promise. Everything you want. And you want to just go right there. Do you know what happens when you do it straight line? You'll ruin it. Why? You don't have the character to handle it. You don't have the maturity to handle it. You don't have the wisdom to handle it. But God loves this. God is all about that messy journey. He's like, okay, I'm going to take you up this hill. I'm going to take you down to this valley. I'm going to take you around the corner. I'm going to actually make, you might, you might slip here. Oh, but you're going to get back up. I'm going to take you this way, that way. And then you're at point B. And what happens? In that journey, you've gained character, maturity. You've gotten to know his voice, his friendship, his intimacy, Because then when you have all of that and you arrive at what he's given you, you will not ruin it. You will hold it precious. You will know how to invest in it. You will know how to foster it. You will know how to make it grow. And there's a point, though, when you get there, you're like, I haven't arrived. I've still got to get going. See, a lot of us want to get to point B, and we think that's the end, but that's not the end. There's a C. There's a D. You know, it keeps going. The kindness of God will take you on a journey that will transform you. And you think the wilderness is him not listening. No, it's, it's him listening. It's him loving you so much that he wants to shape you and form you. I, whenever I get to a wilderness season, I'm like, are you kidding me? God, do you hate me? Every time I get to a wilderness season, it's like I forget how beautiful a wilderness season is. You need the character to be able to handle what God has for you. You need the maturity. I remember I, my friend called me. She's like, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just like, I feel like I'm in the winter. <laughs> this is before I loved winter. Like, not physical winter. Spiritual winter. I don't love spirit, uh, physical winter. But um, for two months I do. Not seven. Uh, and I was like, I'm just in a winter. And nothing's happening in my life. I feel I feel dead, I don't see fruit, I don't see anything, and I'm like, I'm so, like, I feel like God is so distant. And she's like, oh, that winter season's so beautiful, isn't it? And I was like, what? She said, I want you to listen to a teaching by Jonathan and Melissa Helser. It's a quick little video. I encourage you all to look at it. It's on YouTube. And it talks about the winter. And Melissa had a surgery, and she was in the winter season of her life. Nothing was happening. She had a surgery on her foot, and her, like, she got healed of a disease, but it came back, and she was so discouraged. And she was sitting on the back porch in their woods in um, North Carolina, and she was sitting there, and she was just frustrated. And she felt the Holy Spirit come up beside her, and he said, hey, what's going on? She's like, I'm in the winter. Nothing's happening. 
And he goes, okay, well, what do you see? And she looks out back into the woods, and she's like, I see nothing. There's no leaves. It's just trees. And he goes, yeah, but isn't it amazing how far you can see? And all of a sudden, her eyes look back out, and it switched for her. And she could see so far. Why? Because there was no uh, leaves on the trees. It was bare. And he goes, it's in the winter when you can see the furthest. And I, I thought about that more, and I was like, how is that, like, what does that mean? And in the winter, when it's so cold, it sounds different. The colors look different. Everything is different. The season is cold, and you want to just hibernate. But it's reflective of your time with God. It's a time where you get close with God. It's a time where you get intimate with God, because there's not much else going on. There's no, like, dreams being fulfilled. There's no, like, growth in this area or that area. But we can't have the spring unless we have the winter. It's just the way it works in the world, the earth, and it's the same it works with the kingdom of God. We need things to die so there can be new life. It's pruning. It's hard work, but it's beautiful work. Because what's your other option? Not have character? <laughs> it's, not, it's lame. <laughs> Gosh, I talk so quickly. It's already 10 after 8. Okay. I'm actually just going to have the the band come up right now. So I've said it so many times, every season matters. And our, don't ever go for a straight line. If you're going for a straight line, I would stop and ask God, like, why, am I, why is it going straight? Why is there no problems? <laughs> and if you're in the wilderness for 40 years, I'd also ask a question to God. Why am I in the wilderness for 40 years? <laughs> Why, is, why am I stuck? Ask those questions. One, you probably are still needing to learn something. Two, you might be blind about something. I ask God all the time, am I blind to something right now in my life that there's no fruit? Am I not seeing what you want me to see so I can grow? Because we're all human, He'll tell you. He'll tell you. And if you find yourself falling back into the old nature in your journey of the wilderness, falling back to not believing, not trusting, falling back into that victim mentality or that slave mentality or I need justice for this, I can't, I can't step forward unless there's justice, I would ask God to help you step over that because that's the thing that's holding you back and you really don't have time for that. You really don't have time for that in your life. If you find yourself always stepping back into your old nature, I would ask God, God, shake that off and do everything within you to dig deep and step over. Sometimes, my mom asked me the other day, are you happy about this? And I was like, I'm digging deep to be happy. I gotta dig deep. Sometimes we have to dig deep because it's not a natural response in our hearts. So how do you graduate from seasons of your life? It's to find the joy. And the wilderness is a joyful place when you really look at it. It's hard work, but it's full of joy. Because it's the place where you're the most intimate with God. There's a Christian uh, worship leader, writer, and she's written a lot of songs. And she actually um, got diagnosed with cancer a couple years ago. And 
the cancer had creeped into her life and it started to grow and there wasn't much hope and they didn't give her a great diagnosis. And it started to get dark in her world as it should. Death was creeping in and there was no hope. She couldn't hear her friends, she couldn't hear her family, not even her husband. And it was just her, the darkness, and God. And she's like, I'm going to go meet God. And she fell into deep depression. And then she got healed. There was a miracle. No cancer. Everybody was praising God. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And a while later, they interviewed her, and they said to her, that must have been a really tough season for you. And she's like, oh, it was, it was awful. They said, but you're healed. How beautiful is that? She's like, it's great. It's wonderful. And they're like, you don't seem super happy. She's like, oh no, I'm thankful I'm healed. But I miss the darkness. And they're like, what? How can you miss the darkness? She's like, I felt him the strongest there. I miss his presence the most because it was in the darkness where I felt him the closest. He was the only one I felt And now that I'm healed and there's all this growth and miracles in my life, he's there, but I don't feel that intimacy because it's so busy with new growth. She found the joy in that season, and that season was intimacy with God. It's in the wilderness where you get to know him. It's in the wilderness where you get to hear his voice. I'm not promoting wilderness all the time because that's not biblical in any way. There's seasons, there's wilderness, then there's the promised land. But what a perspective to have when you just got healed of cancer. Oh, but I miss the darkness. Because that's where I felt him. Count it all joy when you go through trials, when you go through seasons. It's a steadfast life that we get to live as Christians. It's hard. We're, na- we're human. We have emotions. We always have hit lows and highs, but that's just natural. But the joy of the Lord is our strength, and that is the thing that keeps us going when it's difficult. Israel today is founded on 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and the perseverance of those people. Israel is founded on a a woman named Rahab, a harlot, helping them cross over. Israel is founded on people knowing who their God is and saying, yeah, we can take down this wall with God and occupy. So whatever God has promised you, I'd ask you to stand, please. Whatever God has promised you in your life and you don't see it, it's coming. It's just who he is, but he might take you on a a journey that's over here, up here, down here, that way. And you know why that is? It's because he loves you, and he thinks you're great, and he values who you are, and he values the promise that he's given you, and he needs you to be able to fulfill it with him. So when you want to cross rivers, it's a joyous occasion. But do not get intimidated if you find opposition. Opposition probably means you're in the right place. From every season, from season to season, just count it joy. Worship him in it. 
Worship him in the wilderness. It's in the wilderness where Israel learned to worship God. And then when they crossed over, it was a different worship. It was like a victory. It was a praise. I'm just going to go deeper into teaching, and i got to stop. So, <laughs> I don't really know how to foster the end of this message because it's not like, I don't know. I just feel, I was praying about it earlier, asking God, how do you want me to like end this session of talking? And, and I just feel like whatever season you're in, whether it be winter, spring, summer, fall, when we sing, I just feel like you're supposed to bring it before the Lord and, and ask him, is there anything that I'm not learning in this season? Is there anything I'm not finding joy in in this season? How do I find the joy? Show me what the joy is. Is it the joy that I actually get to be closer with you? Is it the joy that I get to grow? Is it the joy that I gain more wisdom? That I'm getting equipped? Ask him what the joy is. And don't be so quick to get to the end goal. Enjoy the journey. Like there's that saying, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. It's all over Pinterest. <laughs> it, but it's true. And you always think the grass is greener on the other side, but the other phrase goes, the grass is greener where you water it. And so if you're standing where you are, you need to water the season you're in. If you're in the wilderness, water it. It'll, it'll grow. So as we go into some worship, um, I would just, whatever season you're in, talk to the Lord about it. This is supposed to be an encouraging word. Do not get depressed that you're going to be in the wilderness forever because you will not be in the wilderness. And if if you're in a dark place and you can't see, just ask Jesus to shine forth for you. So just pray about it in this season, um, in the worship time right now. And I... We'll figure out what to do at the end. Um, But yeah, just talk to him about the season you're in and get excited because seasons are beautiful.